Welcome to the People's Show. It is Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Bick Nazar, who you just heard. He was on the post-game show on Canucks Central. We will get into that Canucks game. You can text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We got Elon Chark with us here, a noted Bills fan who wasn't supposed to work during the Bills game, then it got postponed, and now he is working during the Bills game. Uh, Let's do a check-in. How are you feeling? Josh Allen, baby. Let's go. (laughs) 21-0. Mason Rudolph. Ain't leading a comeback today. We're looking good, Josh. 21-0 uh, early in the second quarter, I believe. It is uh, Bills are running away with it. Who would have thought? Maybe Mason Rudolph isn't uh, isn't that guy. And maybe playing Patrick Peterson as your starting cornerback in 2024. Also not a great idea. But we'll get into the NFL talk later in the show. We'll keep the post-game talk rolling as uh, the Canucks fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets to end their seven-game road trip. In a shootout, I'm not going to get into like shootout takeaways or anything. Um, it was a game that was probably a scheduled loss for the Canucks following all those um, difficulties, I guess, on the road trip. Getting out of Buffalo, getting into Columbus, um, and the Canucks got a point out of it. I feel like that's kind of a win scenario. The upsetting part, I guess, is Greek of holding a lead into the third period now has a loss on it. It's 26-0-1 when the Canucks have a lead after two periods. Oh, well, it was going to come to an end at some point. The Canucks back in Vancouver on Thursday when they take on the Arizona Coyotes. But uh, so let's get into some takeaways from the road trip. If you have any, text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, I wanted to get into this because ahead of the road trip, I think a lot of people put pressure on it. I probably put some pressure on it too, where, hey, you're playing some difficult teams. You're playing all three New York area teams. Pittsburgh is on a roll. Buffalo isn't amazing, but you know that they have some offensive guys that can get things going. And uh, the Canucks showed up. And so if you have any takeaways from that, things you want to see continue, maybe things that you want to see improve for the team heading back home and throughout the rest of the season text those in 650 uh dunbar lumber text line now before we get to the, get to that this one is uh maybe a steelers fan unsigned bills are garbage shut up sorry uh sorry elon they don't seem very garbage right now I mean, no analysis just garbage they're Give me garbage. some of your takes that we can talk about yeah. here they're definitely not garbage here yeah easily thwarted away that comment um so by the way, we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star guru reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Um, my biggest takeaway from this road trip is that the Canucks, I know the lotto line is back together, and I know they've been dealing. It's been amazing since they've gotten put back together how good they have been um, offensively. But... I do still think they really, really need another top six forward. And I do think the lotto line being back together maybe gives you the option of instead of needing a winger, you can uh, instead look towards a second line center. I know that's been talked about a lot recently. And maybe it's something where you can keep one of JT Miller or Elias Pettersson on the wing. But regardless, I just look at this offense and I just think about how Maybe maybe unstoppable is too far of a too far of a word, but intimidating this offense would be if you just had one more guy of a Jake Gensel quality. It doesn't have to be Jake Gensel, but one more guy of that quality who you know is going to be consistent offensively and is going to be able to be at worst a complimentary piece, but someone that's better than Andre Kuzmenko or someone that's better than Ilya Mikheyev and is a little more reliable. And when I look at the team right now, that that to me is the biggest piece they're missing. Because I, I the way this defense has played, especially recently, they have been very, very steady. And so before the season, and even after the Zadorov trade, I would have said, hey, like defense is the top priority for the Canucks still ahead of the deadline, needing one more top four defenseman. 
But with how this unit as a whole is playing, I just think a top six forward is still the priority. And that's kind of my biggest takeaway after this road trip. Text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Tax Line. If you agree with that, if you maybe have something else that you think should still be the priority, it doesn't have to necessarily be via trade or whatever, but what the Canucks need to shore up, I guess, that happened during this road trip. Or maybe you want to just talk about the positives of the road trip because it was a very, very positive road trip. 650-650, Dunbar Lumberjack line. We'll get into that. Uh, this one, Trucker James. I'm happy with the road trip, even though the two losses were against teams that prior to the trip I expected would be wins. I had hoped for a 4-3 and three trip. Now they can come home and get some deserved rest and close out the month at home. That is something that was a, a little bit funny about the trip as well. The two games where, like, if you told me the Canucks were going to go 5-1-1, one, and one, I would have expected those two losses to be maybe New Jersey, New York, Pittsburgh, one of those teams. But those were the teams where they legitimately were probably the best on the road trip. Like, they controlled play. Pittsburgh maybe was a little bit dicey. You had to go to overtime to get that one done. But... The three New York games I thought were definitely the best of the road trip. And if you told me that before they went on this trip, I would have been very pleasantly surprised. Uh, 650-650, Brandon from Mount Pleasant. Uh, I was talking about the Canucks still maybe needing a second-line center, and that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the road trip. A second-line center, if only we had Bo Horvat. I mean, Horvat would be nice if you weren't paying him what Bo Horvat is making right now. And I just, I still think not only, so on the, there's the on the ice aspect, but I think off the ice, the Canucks just needed a turn the page kind of moment. And I think the Horvat trade was that. Also, you bring in a new coaching staff, like so many changes happened. And I think Horvat leaving was kind of one of the biggest catalysts of it. That was a, a sign to this team that like, hey, we're turning the page on how poorly things had gone over the past few years. And so when you talk about, hey, like if they only had Bo Horvat, I don't know if this team is doing as well right now if they have Bo Horvat, especially if they have Horvat instead of Philip Hironik, because we know what he's done uh, for this team on the back end, one of the best pairs in the league this year, Hughes and Hironik, and you don't get Philip Hironik if you don't make that Bo Horvat trade. And personally, that's not a, a deal I'd like to reverse. And also, I... I as good as Horvat is, he might have been too good for what the Canucks are looking for right now. Like, if you can find someone who's a, a point-per-game center, that's great. But I think you're kind of trying to find someone who's maybe a little bit under a point-per-game, but is better defensively, can play a matchup role, ideally. And as good as Horvat can be, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's the defensive guy. We saw multiple coaches try that in his Canucks tenure, and it didn't work. I don't see why it would have worked under Tockett, but um, maybe you think differently. Text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this one from Unsigned. Great road trip. Today was just a case of lousy travel conditions from Buffalo. Very happy with the loser point. Um, also, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Nathan and Poco. To improve the top six, they're going in cap space, and only, the only expendable cap hit is Kuzmenko, in my opinion. There's no way they ca they are carrying that hit into the playoffs if they don't trust him consistently, and obviously they do not. That was one of my other big takeaways as well. So when they put the lotto line together, one of the things that kind of happened naturally because they weren't touching that third line, which, by the way, should stay together forever at this point. They've just been amazing. But regardless... The thing that happened was Suter, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko found themselves together kind of out in out of necessity. Like, you weren't playing another player in their spot. The fourth line, Hoaglander, Oman, Lafferty, like, are any of those guys someone you feel the need to move up? Maybe Hoaglander you could consider moving up the lineup, but realistically, I think he kind of excels in that fourth line, bottom six, spark plug role. But... That second line, I've just been very uninspired by. It's probably the best word to use. Um, especially, like, they, they did create chances. And if you look at the underlying numbers, they were actually controlling play. They were um, not dominant offensively, but they, were, they weren't 
above their heads, so to speak. They were fine. But I just don't think there's enough finish on that line, especially with the way that Andre Kuzmenko is playing right now, who's he's struggling. Like the, Watching him, I, I have a very I – don't, I don't have a belief in Andre Kuzmenko at the moment. And when you need someone who can be a finisher on that line, I'm not confident in any of those three, in Suter and Mikheyev and Kuzmenko. I think they can be perfectly good weapons on a different line if they're not the guys who have to really control play or um, be the main finisher, the main person on a line. But when you put them all together, I just don't know if it's very efficient. And so when we talk about, hey, the Canucks still need a top six forward and they're looking around the league, seeing what they can find, maybe it's a rental, maybe it's someone who fits in a little bit more long term um it does feel like Kuzmenko is kind of the odd man out I have heard people in our text line 650 650 and on Twitter say that he could be like maybe Mikheyev is someone that you look at moving instead but to me it's still the easy option is Andre Kuzmenko um and I'm very open to that there was a time where hey I thought maybe you're selling low but at this point if you want to make your team a better team I don't think you have to worry about selling low on a guy if it means that you're going to get better overall. And maybe the previous Canucks, they would be in a spot where they aren't in a position to sell low. I just don't think that's where they are right now. 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Tax Line. My problem with Kuzmenko, it's not his game. It'll come around. My problem is Kuzmenko's speed, and he doesn't have any secondary skills when he's not scoring. That's kind of my issue as well. Um... The secondary, like, here's the thing. Ilya Mikheyev and Pew Suter, when they're not scoring, you can still play them on a penalty kill. You're still happy with how they produce defensively. And there are still aspects of their game where you feel like they are rosterable, rosterable players and you want them in, the, in your lineup. When Kuzmenko isn't scoring, like we've seen for long stretches this year, I just don't know if there's a reason for him to be in the lineup even on the power play like he's supposed to be a power play specialist and the Canucks power play hasn't been great is he and even when it is is he the main driver on that last year there were maybe flashes where he was the the finisher on it but I don't know if I'm I feel the need for him to be there and the other part is if you do trade it for another top six forward odds are you're going to want them on power play one as opposed to Andre Kuzmenko if he isn't the guy that you have to move out so That's the other part. I'm struggling to see a fit for him in this lineup. And when there's no fit for you, you become expendable, especially when you're a $5.5 million player. And that's the position Andre Kuzmenko is in right now. Uh, 650-650. Another top six forward. If only we had Tyler to fully. We could do this all day. I agree. I was actually, when, when the Canucks played the Devils, I was like, man. If only they had Tyler to fully right now. That would be, that would be great. That would be, uh, that'd be the type of guy. And you're kind of looking for a Toffoli type trade, I believe, at the moment. And yeah, we could do this all day. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. How do you feel about Garland? To me, he seems much more valuable in the playoffs than the season. Big cap hit, but that doesn't matter in the playoffs. Can play anywhere in the lineup. That's from Kevin and Port Moody. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree about the he's more valuable in the playoffs than the regular season. If you're just talking about the cap hit, sure, because, yeah, it, it doesn't matter in the playoffs. But I am interested to see how him and that line, maybe Niels Hoaglander as well, some of the other guys who are very good on the forecheck and, and can be pests, I'm interested to see how they play when the Canucks get to the playoffs because – there's a world where, hey, maybe they're very efficient. They like they're very big parts of your team, and we see random guys like that kind of go off in the playoffs for teams that go on deeper runs than expected. But I just don't know. There's also the world where they're a bit too small. But I, I want to live in the world where they're not too small and they're actually going to be uh, effective in the playoffs. And I, I do think they have a good chance of being that uh, 650, 650, 
Dunbar Lumber text line. I realize you were just trying to uh, trying to get response, but can you lose the constant negative negativity? I don't know if I'm being constantly negative. I'm sorry. I'm just saying I I'm not a huge fan of uh Andre Kuzmenko's game right now. And Give I feel the Canucks some goddamn credit, John. Yeah, yeah, my bad, my bad. I should be as hyped on them as you are on the Bills right now. Who uh by the way just had a kick blocked. Tough break, tough break. It's fine. Still twenty one nothing for the Bills. Uh, with a couple minutes to go in the first half. Uh, but the Steelers do have the ball on the Bills' side of the field. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Tech Line. It is the People's Show. By the way, Josh Elliott Wolf here with you until 4 o'clock when Canucks Talk takes over, shifting the schedule a little bit today because of that early start. Uh, so Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, back in studio, by the way. He made it home, will be on at 4 o'clock I believe Arshdeep Baines is going to be on the show as well. So that'll be a four. But we'll get into some NFL talk later in the show. We'll keep the Canucks talk going as well. It is the People Show. If you have any takes on uh, what your biggest takeaways from the road trip are, get those in to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll hit a few more on the other side. It is the People Show. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to The People Show. Josh Elliott will filling in for Bick Nazar today as he was on the Connect Central postgame show. And we'll keep the postgame talk going as well following a 4-3 shootout loss for the Canucks in Columbus. You can text in 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. This hour is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio as well as uh, the question of the day is, what are your biggest takeaways from the Canucks road trip as uh, they went 5-1-1 on one on this big seven-game roadie and... Uh, Looked pretty good doing it, too. Lotto line reunion along the way, and uh, things are going pretty well. Before we get to that, let's uh, get a Bills check-in with resident Bills fan Elon Chark. Elon, how's it going? Pittsburgh got a blocked field goal on the Bills. Great field position on the Bills' 20-yard line. A couple nice plays, and uh, Deontay Johnson with a touchdown catch, so 21-7 for the Bills. Steelers comeback. Who would have thought? Mason Rudolph. He's dealing. They had good field position. I don't see Mason, you know, driving the whole field. We'll see what happens, but we're, we're feeling good. Steelers have gotten a few breaks to be put in positions to score so far today. They had an interception at the goal line as well, and uh, 21-7 with uh, under two minutes to go, minute and a half to go in the second quarter. Uh, we'll get into all the NFL talk, NFL takeaways from over the weekend, and uh, – I was wrong about so many things, and we'll get into that starting at 3.30. Almost impressively wrong, and I will admit to all of it in half an hour-ish. Uh, but for now, we're still talking Canucks and uh, some of your biggest takeaways from the road trip. So I mentioned that, hey, we saw what happened with the lotto line put back together. It was dominating, and I really want to see it stick. So I think the Canucks... It's very evident that one of the biggest takeaways from that road trip is that they still need a top six forward. Um, but the other thing I want to see is I want to see the Canucks keep rotating the defense. Uh, it was kind of a rough game, and I'm not I'm not going to put too much blame on him. It was kind of a rough game for Ian Cole today, uh, and look that those things will happen when you're uh, you got into the city you're about to play in at 9.30 local time, and then you have to play at 1 o'clock the next day. Those things are going to happen. It's fine. Um, I just think it would, the Canucks are in such a good position right now that you can afford to give guys like Ian Cole some rest, maybe Nikita Zadorov uh, a game here or there. I know Tyler Myers has a stat where he's going to reach a game milestone if he plays every game to the until the end of the season. If you... If you put so much weight on that, maybe you don't sit him. Personally, I would kind of put him in that rotation too, but 
the main point is that we've seen Noah Juleson not struggle when he's put into the lineup, especially on the penalty kill. He's been a pretty good piece. Um, and so I have no issues. While the defense is healthy, get him in games. Maybe you want to mix in Mark Friedman for a game or two here or there, here or there as well just to keep him um, in kind of game shape. Uh, that's something I would like to see continue. They kind of got into it on the road trip, but the Canucks are in such a good position, again, in the standings and where they put themselves that that's something I think would really benefit the team down the stretch. And it's a good way, like, if you're in the spot to do it, why not? Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, trying to find it here. Uh, takeaways from the road trip. Um, a fruitful road trip. This one, Liam from Coquitlam. The Canucks proved that they can play tired and still win games. Eager to have them back home. That was one of the more encouraging things as well. Even today, look, I know it wasn't a great game, but... This is about as tired as a team is ever going to play. When you got road trip complications, you're at the end of a seven-game road trip. Um, you're playing a morning game. Like things, This was as scheduled of a loss as you can get for a team, and the Canucks still played to a point where they were able to squeak away one point in the shootout. And that, to me, is pretty encouraging, but the more encouraging game, I believe, is uh, that Islanders game on the back-to-back -back where they got the 5-2 win I believe they only allowed eight shots in the final two periods like they shut the Islanders down who look in past years maybe that's not a, a huge accomplishment but I think this year the Isles have been a bit more stout offensively they've been able to produce a little bit more with the injection of Bo Horvat and Lane Lambert playing a bit of a different system than we're used to seeing from the Islanders. So that, to me, was a game where they proved that they can play tired, and that's something you're really going to have to do once you get to the playoffs is you're going to have to be able to play a little bit hurt. You're going to have to play um, a little bit tired because that's, that's the playoffs. That's going to happen. Uh, this takeaway... Chet and Burnaby, my biggest takeaway is how professional the team looks when they dress seven guys that can play center. Works for Team Canada, works for the Canucks. It's usually a good strategy. You get, you get some options in the lineup, um, and uh, you get some guys that can win face-offs. That's definitely helpful. 650-650, uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Gary in Richmond. Uh, so one of the things... I brought up last segment, and again, I'd, I didn't mean to be negative. We got some texts saying, hey, you're being too negative. I'm just not super sold on the second line, is all I'm saying. The suitor McKay of Andre Kuzmenko line. If that makes me negative, then fine, I'm negative, but I don't think I am. Um, this one, Gary from Richmond. Uh, Kuzmenko popped in 39 goals last year. If anyone gets the uh, benefit of the doubt, it's him. There's also the sophomore jinx in effect. If we trade him, this deal will bite us in the butt for years to come. Mikheyev is the one we should trade, in my opinion. His wheels aren't the same after the knee injury. He went from one of the fastest in the league to just above average. I will agree that his speed has dropped a bit, though we still, I still think he's one of the fastest players on the team. He's still able to get breakaways, though maybe he can't finish them very well, but that's not a knee issue. That's a Ilya Mikheyev issue. Um, I don't know if Andre Kuzmenko gets the benefit of the doubt. I know he scored 39 goals last year, and that's great, but we talked so much about the shooting percentage over the over the offseason, and there was reason for concern. And I think the biggest thing I wanted to see him improve on is be a more all-around player. And that doesn't necessarily mean being amazing defensively, but being close to average defensively while also having a more well-rounded offensive game. And I don't know if we've seen that from Kuzmenko this year. I don't think he necessarily deserves the benefit of the doubt and if you're a Canucks team that's looking at this season and next season let's say you kind of identify these two years while you know you have Pedersen un under control Hughes is still under contract Demko Besser is still under contract as well you look at these two years as years where you know that you're going to be able to at the very least contend in the playoffs and this year maybe do a little bit more if things continue to break your way like they have. I don't think you can, can afford to keep a guy like Andre Kuzmenko over someone like Ilya Mikheyev who can do other things at a higher level than 
Andre Kuzmenko can. And that's why I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And I don't, I don't really think the sophomore jinx can, can be a thing when you are um, at the age Andre Kuzmenko is, I believe it's 26, um, uh, 27, sorry, and turning 28 in a, in a month. I don't, I don't think the sophomore jinx is necessarily as much of a thing as it would be if you're 18 going into your 19-year-old season or, or your second year in the league at 20 years old, 21 years old, where, hey, you're still going to have time to grow. Like, to me, this is what Andre Kuzmenko is. I don't see much more development in his game. This was kind of the year where if he was going to develop a little bit more, playing in a Tocket system and really figuring out what his role is, this is the year I think it would have happened, but it didn't. And so that's why I think he's incredibly expendable for where this team is at right now. And maybe, hey, he goes to another team and he pops off. That's okay. It's okay for a guy to be let go and he ends up getting close to where he was last season. Maybe he produces a bit more offensively. If he doesn't fit in your system and you're not going to trust him, why would you carry him into the playoffs? doesn't make sense and that's why I think he's he's just the expendable piece and I think a lot of people including the 650 650 Dunbar lumber text line have come to that uh, conclusion as well um speaking of the text line let's get in a few more here uh trucker James aside from depth some depth in all positions I think the most pressing need is a six foot 200 pound or bigger top six center who's capable of scoring 40 to 50 points a season but still reliable enough off- defensively to play against opponents' top lines. That would be a huge bonus if he can play a gritty physical game as well. I do think every team is kind of looking for that player right now, but I, I agree. If you can find a second-line center, maybe it's a guy that can play wing as well, get some versatility, whatever, um, but a guy who you're not necessarily looking for a crazy amount of points, but someone who can play a matchup role. And you still... Look, the the Canucks can still produce more offensively. I know they're leading the league in goals, but they can maybe improve some of the underlying numbers, get the expected goals up, though I don't have as much of an issue with it as maybe some other people do. But there, there are a few options in the top six where I can be sold on a certain type of player working. One of them would be a matchup second-line center, but you could also say, hey, the Canucks are going to bring in someone. Again, the name I keep going back to is Jake Gensel just because his name has been out there. But, hey, they could also bring someone in like Jake Gensel, and I would be like, yes, sign me up. That's going to work great. You put him with Pedersen. You put him with Miller. You kind of split up that lotto line, and you have some more scoring depth, and I think that would work really, really well. And I can be I can be sold on multiple different things working. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, keep those texts coming in. Some of the other takeaways from the road trip. Seven-game road trip, Canucks go 5-1-1, one, and one, finishing with a loss, a shootout loss in Columbus today. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf. This is The People Show. Uh, another thing that I kind of – one of my biggest takeaways, and uh, maybe this is directed at the people that thought I was being too negative – with my Andre Kuzmenko takes. This one's for you. If the Canucks keep playing like this and they add someone worthwhile at the deadline, could be a top six forward, maybe even a top four defenseman, whatever. I believe they have proven that they should be considered legit Stanley Cup contenders. And maybe they're not the favorite, but they are legit contenders if they continue to play like this. And they do still need a little help. I'm not saying... Keep this roster as is, and you're going to get into the playoffs and make some noise. But with the way they're playing defensively, Demko has been unreal this season. Maybe you're keeping the lotto line back together, but regardless, just the the entire the entire picture right now is just working really, really well for the Canucks. That third line is amazing, and I just I see no reason when you look around the league that this team shouldn't be considered at this point at least a Stanley Cup contender, or at least a a team that you think can make it to the conference finals and potentially make some noise in the playoffs. And again, true talent-wise, I still want to see them add a piece or two, ideally an impact piece, because even if you like how 
things are going right now and you think that, hey, if they make the playoffs with this roster, they can still do something, it doesn't hurt to add another guy. And that's something I would be very interested in seeing. And I'm at that point now. The seven-game road trip for me has solidified that I believe if they keep playing like this, they are a legit Stanley Cup contender. If you disagree, text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Tell me why you disagree if you do disagree with that. And if you agree, compliment me. I don't know. That's fine. Just text in 650-650, uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, Mike and Nanaimo, great roadie, test passed. The next big games I'll be looking forward to as a measuring stick will be the thrill away games in February where they play the Hurricanes, the Bruins, and then the Avalanche. And that for the Canucks, not to look too far ahead, but to look ahead to those three games specifically, is I believe those are the three games following their bye week. I'm trying to bring up the schedule here, but it's loading slowly. Um, I believe those are the three games after their bye week, and that'll give them a bit more time to prepare, to rest. I know a few of the Canucks will be at the All-Star game. Five of them, six of them if you include Rick Tockett. But for the most part, they should be pretty rested coming out of that break because they have their bye week as well. And that's something that I think will really help them in that three-game stretch. I do agree. That's probably in the next point where you look at and you say, hey, this is a, a measuring stick stretch for the Canucks. I also think the Toronto game coming up, just based on it being the Maple Leafs in town, that's always a game you put a little more uh, cachet on, I guess. But aside from that, you're playing the Coyotes, you're playing the Blackhawks, the Blues, the Blue Jackets again here in Vancouver. Those four games, I'm not really uh, – like if they lose with how they played so far this season, I'm willing to write those games off if they lose one or two of them. If they win, I'm also not drawing any major takeaways from those because – those are teams that are on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. I did want to get to this as well before we get into some takeaways. This from uh, Dom in the Rock, which can only be one man. Dominic Schmatty. I don't know if he's still listening or if you just texted in and, and dipped. But a longtime listener, first-time caller. Why is Josh a coward? I heard he isn't going to own up to his lasagna bet. Not true, Dom. Bring in a lasagna right now and I will eat it right now i have no qualms about it dom the rock also hasn't owned up owned up on his lasagna bet so who's to say this is hypocritical come on dom uh 650 650 the dunbar lumber text line um we were also talking a bit about kuzmenko and again one of my biggest takeaways from this road trip is that that second line i i wasn't very sold on it though i think it's fine again it it's just fine. It's passable, and that's okay. But if you're the Canucks and you want to improve on it, I do think Andre Kuzmenko has kind of cemented himself as the expendable piece on this roster. Um, and this one, in the playoffs, obviously, we've proven we can win without his production. He just doesn't fit. And again, that's kind of my main point is he doesn't necessarily – have a spot on this roster, especially if they trade for someone who is going to fit in that top six. Um, and again, if you trade for someone in the top six, they're also going to be playing on power play one. Ideally, it just feels like it's going to be hard for him to to find a spot on this roster. And the biggest thing that I keep coming back to is like, hey, if you still believe in Kuzmenko and what he can be for this team and – Maybe you don't want to move off him. Maybe you're not at that point. Do you think Kuzmenko is going to be playing in the playoffs? Because right now I have zero confidence that Tockett is at a point with him where he fully trusts him in a playoff game, especially if it's a do-or-die playoff game. I just don't see Kuzmenko fitting in the Canucks lineup. So if there's a better way to allocate that money for Kuzmenko and there's a way you can get him off the books without – having to give up too much, or maybe he's a part of a bigger deal. I just, that's the option I pursue at the moment. And I, I'm just pretty out on uh, what Kuzmenko is providing for the Canucks. And to the texter's point, I just don't think he is uh, necessarily 
a fit. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. By the way, keep your NFL, if you have any NFL takes, get them in. We're going to hit those maybe at the uh, maybe before the break, but we definitely will after the break as well. 650-650, um, but keep your post-game text coming in. What are your biggest takeaways from the road trip for the Canucks? Um, this one, uh, Burke the biologist. Garland's play in his line is great. He likes the puck. Earlier he was river skating, but now it's a valuable contributor. He cannot play with Miller or Pedersen as he would not have, or as he would have the puck and not them. That's obviously that was obvious when he got elevated to power play one. I have concerns with Ian Cole getting the last minute or so on defense, out of position, poor decisions, and puck handling has resulted in three goals late. And Look, I've really liked – we'll start with the Cole part of that text. I've really liked Ian Cole this season. I think he's been very steady on the defense, and he's probably had quite a big impact off the ice as well as a as a veteran in the NHL, someone who is – he's been through a lot. I, I've really liked his game this year. That being said, on most teams, he hasn't been a number three defenseman, and I think there's a reason for it, and we're kind of seeing it now. The, the longevity of a guy like that – throughout a season when you're playing him that many minutes, it can be difficult. And I, I don't think he's struggled necessarily. You're just kind of seeing some um, issues lately. And if there's a way to get him some more rest down the stretch, I'm very open to that idea. And maybe it's uh, when we're talking about trades and what the Canucks need to do ahead of the deadline. Maybe you bring in another Noah Juleson or someone like that who can, in case there's an injury or um, you want to get – more guys, more rest can kind of work their way in and out of the lineup. The other part of uh, Burke's text there, Connor Garland's play and his line have been great. Um, and also talking about the way Garland is kind of a puck dominant forward. I agree with that. I, I just don't see, I know there's been talk, um, especially before this third line was put together about, hey, like play Garland more up the lineup. And we've seen talk and other coaches kind of experiment with it in the past. To Burke's point, I just don't know if that necessarily suits his game, especially if you're the Canucks. Like, you would rather JT Miller have the puck, or you would rather Elias Patterson have the puck. And Connor Garland on that line, he can control it, and he likes to have the puck. I just don't think he he fits in your top six. But I'm very I've gone from before the season, I kind of had issues with paying someone that much much to play on your third line or on power play two and not really get that much ice time to now, like, I think he's one of the more invaluable pieces on this roster where like, if you moved off him, you would have a really, really difficult time replacing him. And maybe it's something you revisit in the off season, but that line has been great. His play has been great. And it seems like they really found the correct mix of guys for him to succeed. And so I agree with Burke. I don't want to see him play up the lineup, even if they do shake up the lines at some point. I like where he is. Maybe you change the other pieces around him, but I like uh, what Connor Garland is doing right now. 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get some more texts in uh, before we hit the break. Um, this one, Dave and East Van, the Canucks have overachieved this year with that PDO and 15% shooting percentage, plus they are due for an extended losing streak. The Canucks... Fans will lit witness late season regression. Here's the the thing, Dave is. I know their PDO is still high, but it's come down a little bit. It's still like leading the league and maybe setting records. But the thing that's encouraging is some of the underlying metrics, the expected goals, all of that is catching up to where their PDO is and how their PDO is overperforming. So I think there are there's there's potential regression, and I'm not going to deny that. But there's also a there's also a situation where the Canucks kind of meet it in the middle, and maybe they don't keep performing like a top one or two team in the NHL. But being a top five to ten team, I still think is in this current NHL. If you're a top five to ten team, I think you're still a Stanley Cup contender when you have a goalie like Thatcher Demko. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make is if you're if you're playing at that level, 
and you have a hot goalie, you get into the playoffs, you can you can make some noise if things break your way. And I'm not trying to say that the Canucks are going to steamroll through teams. They still need things to break their way. But I'm just at the point now where I am more convinced that they are Stanley Cup contender than I may have thought I would be capable of before the season started. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar-Lumber text line. Um, Colin from the Caribou, Kuzmenko is playing elsewhere after the deadline. The Tockett staples are playoff hockey 101. There's a reason Tockett has preached these non-negotiables. That I agree with. That's also something I wanted to get into is the, the way the Canucks are playing right now. And I found myself thinking this a lot, especially while the power play was struggling, but the five-on-five scoring was was improving, especially with the lotto line. This feels like a team that will excel in the playoffs, or is at least playing a playoff style at the moment. And that, to me, is is very encouraging. It's, it's what you want to see from a team. You're starting to build those habits. And um, before the season and as the season started, we kind of talked a lot about how – Teams, when they go through a coaching change or they make a significant roster shakeup like the Canucks did, it kind of takes halfway through the season for them to find their identity and really know what they're about. And I feel like the Canucks have reached that point now. They know how they have to play to win. And if they can continue to work on that and continue to iron that down ahead of the playoffs and, again, maybe add another piece or two, I just don't see why this team should be doubted more than some other teams around them and I'm not putting them in the Vegas territory yet like Vegas to me is still the team that I kind of just think they're a sleeping giant when they get to the playoffs they're going to wake up and and kind of they're going to steamroll some teams but I do think the Canucks are they're right there with kind of the tier two teams is what I would call it at the moment and I just they haven't given me a reason to doubt it other than hey their PDO is high and I get that and that they haven't made the playoffs in previous seasons. Other than that, I just don't see a reason to doubt it. It is the People's Show. Josh Elliott will filling in for Pick Nazar. On the other side, we're going to get into some NFL talk. Takeaways from the four games that happened over the weekend. We'll give you an update on Bills and Steelers as well. And also uh, one more game tonight. We'll get into that on the other side. It is the People's Show. Josh Elliott Wolf here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to The People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Vic Nazar, who will be back tomorrow. It was just on the uh, post-game show, which, uh, by the way, catch it on your uh, podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also find The People Show there as well. Uh, this hour of the show is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Uh, okay, so we want to get into some NFL talk. One game ongoing, the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We now go live to uh, Elon Shark, noted Buffalo Bills fan. How are you feeling? Well, Steelers are driving right now, but our middle linebacker, Terrell Bernard, who's been outstanding all season long, just went down on the cart, towel on the head. That's mm-hmm. never a good sign, Josh. No, that's not great. It's not great. And, uh, yeah, Steelers driving Second and five, not in the red zone, but on the Bills' side of the field. It's still 21-7 for Buffalo, though, but uh, I don't know. Are, like there was, a, there was a moment. It was 21-0. Things were going real great for the Bills. It seemed like they were going to run away with it, but, hey, this drive isn't over yet. Maybe there's a turnover, whatever, but Steelers kind of working their way back into it. Are you worried? I'm not worried, but it is playoff football, wild card weekend. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And uh, we found that out this weekend where, look, so on Friday on Canuck Central, we were doing Mailbag Friday, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah, and we all put out our wild card weekend predictions. And so far, I am 0 for 4, which is sad. Very sad. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I thought the Browns were going to beat the Texans. I I 
thought, hey, you know what? The Cowboys, they'll crumble at some point. You thought Miami was going to go into Arrowhead and get a win? So, yeah, that's my thing is every – like, you always have to pick an upset, right? And I was like, you know what? I could see, hey, maybe Chiefs get some poorly timed drops. Miami steps up. I was mistaken. The Chiefs did get some drops, but uh, the Dolphins' offense wasn't what it had been early in the year. The crazy thing is Dolphins – Best offense in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the season. They come out, they score seven points, and then Cowboys defense for the majority of the year, the best defense in the league, and they give up 48 to the Packers. So it just shows playoffs, different beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get, Well, let's go in order of, uh, of the game. So Saturday afternoon, poor Sat is here working the Canucks game and also watching the Browns lose on TV. Um, CJ Stroud, he is kind of – it's kind of a problem, hey? Like, he was he was dealing. I wonder if it's rookie confidence where you're like, you know what, not even supposed to be here. And I know he's great during the regular season. I, I love CJ Stroud. But you get to the playoffs and you're like, you know what, screw it. Whatever happens, happens. And the Texans were kind of unreal. Even and, more impressive, D'Amico Ryan's first-year head coach. Yeah. Draft Stroud, rookie. Tank Dell has been out for multiple weeks, and now their other receiver, Noah Brown, is on IR as well. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. And uh, Joe Flacco, the magic, it kind of ran out, and he was forced to big three and out for the Bills, by the way. Um, Well, three and out. They should get a field goal. They'll get a field goal. Sorry. Not three and out. Um, But the Joe Flacco magic has kind of run out. I, I was wondering if, hey, like, they go on a run here. Is he going to get a contract? Is he going to want to play next season anyway? I don't uh, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. But also, not just because of this one game, but because I felt like he kind of needed a run for that to happen in general. Right, and for Houston now going forward, they either have to play Baltimore or Kansas City. Yeah, it's Which tough. is going to be a huge test for Stroud, so it's, it's going to be fun to watch. So, yeah, the Texans are going to have to play the Ravens if the Bills win this game. If they lose, uh, the Texans are going to play – or, sorry, yeah, if the Bills win, the Texans are playing the Ravens. The Steelers win, Steelers play Baltimore. Um, but it looks like if, if the game was stand right now, the Texans would be playing the Ravens. And I don't know – I. Kind of think the vibe. The vibes are really good there, but when you have those two key injuries to receiver, the defense. I think D'Amico Ryan's has gotten a lot more out of it, but at a certain point, it is like the defense is the sum of its parts. Um, I just I don't have faith in them beating Baltimore. That being said, if uh, so, if, if you're picking Baltimore, that means the Texans are winning. That's what I'm hearing. Oh yeah, because I'm wrong, wrong about everything. But I also picked the Bills to win. So let's see. If I go if I go 0 for 6, I don't know. Never pick again. Never I'm never picking Especially again. Especially on the air. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is I was like I felt so confident about all the picks too. And I'm just an idiot and that's fine. Uh 650 650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh the Texans are a dark horse and the Browns defense fumbled the bag. Are they like so I still don't know if I consider the Texans legit yet, you know? I still think they're a like, hey, they upset the Browns, and that's great, but I don't think I, yeah, I, don't think I put them in that territory. Yeah, this next is the real test, right? Mm-hmm. If you beat Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo in the AFC, then you're definitely up there. I kind of want to see them play against the Chiefs because I feel like they could beat the Chiefs. Baltimore, I think, is just going to stomp them. But I could, see a, I could see a game where, hey, like both Mahomes and Stroud are airing it out, and I could see a – I could see the Texans pulling off the upset there. But against the against the Ravens, if that is what happens, if the Bills win today, far less confident. Um, the next game, so Chiefs and the Dolphins. Dolphins continue to struggle in the playoffs. Haven't won since 2000. 2000, I believe that's the longest streak in the NFL. Yes, because we'll get to it, the Lions won. So now the Dolphins take over as the longest streak in the NFL. Um, but I mean, Tua in a cold-weather game, what else do you expect? They were rough. Like, there were so many passes where it was just easy, like, chip shots, and they they just fumbled it. Not actually fumbled it, but you know what I mean. They they had some drops. They weren't really in tune as they should be, uh, or as we have seen early in the year. And I also, on the other side, I kind of – I think we saw – like, if you're someone that thinks the Chiefs are going to turn it on when they get to the playoffs, 
you saw things that confirmed that. But also, if you thought they were going to keep struggling when they got to the playoffs, you also saw things that confirmed that as well. Right. One game. Yeah. Going up against Miami, who played terrible. Well, The real test will be next week, whether they play looking like Buffalo at the moment or Houston. That I, I really hope they play Buffalo, just because it would be fun. Oh, it's and it would be in Buffalo. And hopefully Gabe Davis is back, because every time they play the Chiefs in the playoffs, that's when he goes off. Yeah. Uh, and also, it feels like the Bills need to slay the Dragon, you know? And and get to like I'm I'm just all in on the Bills this year, Elon. I know I know you are too. And I just have a quick question for you, Josh. Tua, he's kind of in line for that next big extension. You know, guys like Herbert, Jalen Hurts have gotten it. Mm-hmm. If you're the Dolphins, do you pay him what he wants? I wouldn't. But also, he's like he's had an injury history, a few concussions, he even considered retirement at one point last season. Mm-hmm. But is there a better option? Exactly. Do you? Well, you can go draft. You can stay with Tua mm-hmm. for another year. See what happens. I do wonder if, like, are you more confident in Mike McDaniel or, like, do you think he needs Tua to make that offense work, or do you think he could just like oh, do that with not. any quarterback? I think he's a genius, Mike McDaniel. And yeah. I think Tua. I, I've never been a real big fan of him. Yeah, he's good because he has great receivers. Mm-hmm. And obviously he was great at Alabama, but they have a stacked team. I'm just not completely sold on Tua, especially if he's going to want that kind of money for that extension. Yeah, and and to to his credit, he put up the stats this year, and to to technically deserve that money, I just don't know if I'm. Yeah, I'm not fully sold on him. Um, do you think that? So on the on the other side, the Chiefs. I'm not going to get into like the is Taylor Swift causing this part because I think that's dumb. Taylor Swift is not causing this. But do you think the Travis Kelsey, you know, best tight end in the NFL era is ending? Like at a certain point, age catches up to you, right? And he's, he's yeah, he taking a lot of hits. Yeah, he did not look as good the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Could be banged up. Probably is. Yeah, had some drops. Noah Gray has been fantastic for them as their backup tight end. Mm-hmm. I still think he's really good, and he will show out in a, in a close game. But I do think he's regressing. I agree. I agree. And uh, – if I was to, like, if if I was to ask you who the best tight end tight end in the NFL is, like, I think I would still say Travis Kelsey, but now I now I have to think about it, you know. Whereas before yeah, it was a couple guys in there. You could put Hawkinson, even Sam Laporta's coming up there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of young guys. Um, it's kind of the year of the the rookie tight end this year with uh, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. Like there's a there's a lot of guys who are kind of showing up around the NFL this year. Can we get to the most fun game of the weekend for everybody that's not a Dallas fan? Yes. Well, how about them Cowboys? How baby? about them Cowboys? So six fifty six fifty Dumbbell Lumber text line. We did get a text on that. I'll try to find it, but yeah, that was look. So for me, I never root for the Cowboys unless they are playing the Green Bay Packers because I I'm a Vikings everybody's fan. rooting against the Cowboys unless you're a Cowboys fan. I wanted both teams to lose, but I wanted the Packers to lose more. My my disdain for the Packers outweighs my disdain for the uh the Cowboys. My dad's also a Cowboys fan, so maybe it's a it's like a hey, I want him to be happy, you know? I don't know. Right, but this loss in the first round, there's a lot to unpack here if you're a Cowboys fan or not, right? Mm-hmm. Three years in a row with 12 wins. They always look amazing in the regular season. Dak was having an MVP-like season. CD has been amazing. And then they show up here at home in front of their fans and, and lay an egg yet again in the playoffs. Yeah. It's uh, So do you think Mike McCarthy has a job next week? Well, this is how I think about it. Jerry Jones, 81. Mm-hmm. He wants another so Super Bowl. Old. They haven't yeah. been to a conference championship since 1995. And they have all these winning seasons. I think Jerry will make the move. He will fire McCarthy. I think he's going after Belichick. You think so? I like. I just don't know if that's the. Is that the the pick just because it's obvious, or is that the right fit? <laughs> Look, you know, uh, Jerry's running this organization. I think he's 81 years old and he wants another Super Bowl. True, and, and he's like, this guy's won Super Bowls. One of the best, if not the best, coach of all time out there for your grasping for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. I think he wants him. I think so. Like, I just think it would be fun too. Bill Bel- Bill Belichick in Dallas coaching the Cowboys. The Scriptwriters would be on fire. Oh, if this happens. It would be great. But um, the other question is, if you get rid of McCarthy, do you keep Dak? Right? He's two and five in the playoffs. They haven't won anything since he's been there, but he's amazing in the regular season. I think you. 
personally, like it, here's how I see it happening. They they fire McCarthy. I think they bring in a new coach, and then I think it's it's now it's Dak's turn. Where if he doesn't work out, he's the next guy to go. And I I think he gets one more run. I don't know what the bar for success would be. Probably like make it to a conference championship at least. Um, but I like I don't think he's. Again, it's the same as the Tua conversation. We're like, who are you replacing him with? And is it worth replacing him if it's not going to be an upgrade? Yeah, I think Dak has earned a spot for at least another year just because he's so good in the regular season. But if I'm a Cowboys fan and I'm watching that game yesterday and I and Dak throws a pick six and then you got to wait and you hear, here we go all game, <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing something at my TV. <laughs> yes. No, it's uh, – man – it's gotta, it's gotta be frustrating to be a Cowboys fan. Opposite of frustrating, if you're a Packers fan, because you just roll from one Hall of Fame quarterback into another early in the year. I, I know I was talking to you, and I was talking to, I would tell everybody in the station. I'd probably said it on air at some point. I don't think Jordan Love is legit. And now, again, I was wrong about the game predictions. I was probably wrong about that too. Basically, if I have an NFL take, the opposite is gonna happen. That's a lesson we learned this weekend. Um, Jordan Love is legit, and I hate it because, again, I'm a Vikings fan. I don't want the Packers to be successful, but they they seem like a team. I know we, we've kind of hyped up the Lions as that NFC North team in the past couple of years. It seems like the NFC North every year is going to be Lions and Packers for at least the next few, and not to mention the Bears as well have a first overall pick and they have another pick in the top 10 like they are a very good team too are you you're sold on jordan love i assume most people should be i wasn't oh absolutely he looks great mm-hmm. and no other team buys into what green bay does right obviously they have Favre. they draft aaron Rodgers late in the first let him sit mm-hmm. turns out to be aaron Rodgers. they do the same thing with jordan love and so far it's looking like it's gonna work out yeah uh, it's it's it seems silly because it should be obvious like hey you have this Hall of Fame quarterback, draft another, draft a guy in the first round and just let him sit there for a couple of years and learn from a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, just not every team has the opportunity <laughs> to do that, yes. right? They're very lucky. But going into next week, they have a really tough test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the Packers are going to be taking on the Niners next week. Uh, if you want my pick so that you can take the opposite, I'm going San Fran. I just – as good as the Packers looked – I don't think uh, I don't think they can get around that Niners defense. Yeah, if you have a different take than that, I would love to hear your thoughts in the inbox because mm-hmm. there's no reason to pick against the Niners. Yeah, six fifty, six fifty, Dunbar Lumber text line. There's no reason other than if you're a Packers fan or you're just that high on Jordan Love and you think he's going to will them to a victory. Right. I Ma- will say maybe they see something that we don't. Yeah, they're the they're the true analysts. Um, but I will say if you're just if you're someone that picks the winner based on the best quarterback in the game, like I take Jordan Love over Brock Purdy, right? Interesting. Do you take Purdy over uh, Love? Purdy had a better year, but for one game, yeah, Jordan Love looked amazing yeah. yesterday. Talent, talent, why? Ooh, almost a pick by uh, Pittsburgh there. Buffalo still has the ball, by the way. Still 21-10 a few minutes to go in the third quarter in that game. Um, I Yeah, in, in a one game, Again, this is how this is how far I've come around on Jordan Love. I do think I would take Love over Purdy. Not that that's a crazy high bar, but team like we've seen it all year with the Niners. The team and Purdy hasn't been bad, but the team around him is so good that it makes him even better. Uh, six fifty, six fifty, Dunbar Lumber Tech sign. Um, Nathan Rourke as quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, guaranteed to be Super Bowl. Yeah, champion. we can all dream. That would be amazing. Could you imagine? Like he signs there, maybe he's going to be their backup, third string, whatever. Injuries happen, he gets in there and uh, leads the Cowboys to a Super Bowl. That would be the only situation where I would cheer for the Cowboys. Look, nobody does this in the NFL, but the conversation for that is you would have Nathan Rourke on a minimum deal for at least a year or two, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine all that money from Dak that you could spend surrounding Rourke. Could he be good enough with that team to be good, kind of like Brock Purdy, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like it's the Niners. We're seeing it, and we'll see if it works because I do think there's a certain point in most seasons where you need a – 
a, a certain type of quarterback, like a certain level of QB to really get past a certain point. But if it works this year with the Niners, I bet a lot of teams are just going to be like, okay, hey, let's get a system quarterback and surround that guy with a, as much talent as possible. The other issue is you kind of have to – you have to be in such a unique spot as a franchise to be able to do that, you know? You have to be able to find a guy who's at least capable of running the offense, who doesn't make a lot of money, and also – be so good in so many other spots on your team that you know that you're still going to be able to be competitive even without that all-star quarterback. And it's hard to really thread that needle. The Niners have, and we'll see again if it works out, but uh, it's a it's a difficult thing to try to nail down. Uh, the final game, the Detroit Lions and the LA Rams. Matthew Stafford's return to Detroit. Uh, by the way, he got booed. Did you agree with the booing? Would you have booed oh him? Oh my god, of course not. Yeah, like he what gave are you his doing? Blood, sweat, and tears for twelve years for that franchise for the Detroit Lions. Fault. Yeah, unbelievable. That's like if I was if I was the Detroit Lions quarterback for twelve years, you had to deal with being in that situation, and you come back and you get booed. Like what's what are you doing? And I get it; it's a playoff game. You're trying to be intimidating, whatever, as a crowd. But, hey, first time he comes out, you don't have to cheer him even. Just maybe give him some, like, claps, And they asked applause. him after the game, how do you feel for the city of Detroit? His response, I'm happy for the players. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. And I get it. Like, you're a fan, fan however you want. I just don't think uh, – if I was there, I wouldn't have done that personally. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this one from – um, sorry, unsigned. He should get booed. He didn't win one playoff game with the organization or Megatron. Yeah, but like the team sucked, dude. There was yeah, just I wouldn't. There was, um, I get some fans were like, maybe you don't want to wear his jersey to the game because you're playing against him and you boo him when he's on the field. But when he comes yeah. out, it's a little bit of a different story. Yeah, when he comes out, like pay your like that. If that wasn't his first time going back, then sure. I can understand it, but first time going back, I don't know, man. He was really good there. Give him, give him a little bit of respect. I still think uh, so. The Lions end up winning that game. I still think the Lions are frauds, and I don't, I don't know what it is about them. I just don't think they are fully legit. And they're going to take on the Eagles or the Bucks, depending on who wins tonight in that game. If they take on the Eagles, I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they're coming out of that. But also, like, the vibes in Detroit are so good right now, so I don't know. They just have a lot of weapons on offense, right? Their defense can be kind of hit or miss. Obviously, they got Hutchison, who's a beast. But their offense, St. Brown, mm-hmm. Gibbs, Montgomery, they Laporta. look solid. Yeah, like, they have so many pieces Really on good offensive offense. line. Yes. And, and that's a big part, is their offensive line is so good. Uh, and that's just – that can be the reason you, you win games, but – I don't know. I'm just not sold on them. Maybe it's the, like, hey, you haven't made the playoffs in a while. you got to earn your way. Like, we're seeing a bunch of other teams. They have to, like, you you rarely win on your first trip to the playoffs, you know? And you can kind of tie it back to the Canucks. Like, you haven't made the playoffs in a while. Are you going to win on your first trip there? Probably not. Um, but also, just because it hasn't happened before doesn't mean it won't happen. I just don't know if uh, – I personally, I think the the Lions need to go through that kind of stretch of maybe making the playoffs, getting deeper each year before they really break through. I'm not sold on them. I'm not there. But uh, I guess we'll see. So tonight, Eagles-Bucks. Who are you uh, Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Eagles here. I know it's in Tampa Bay, but two-and-a-half favorite – I, I'm taking the Eagles. Even with all their, like, they've been stumbling yeah, down I, the I stretch. Yeah, I know they're not good, but they're still a better team than <laughs> I the know Bucks. they're the not Bucks good. The Bucs barely squeaked into the playoffs here. Yeah. Baker, you know, he's had some great games with Mike Evans. I'm still taking the Eagles. Yeah. I, like, I'm taking the Eagles too, which means they're probably going to lose. But I don't, I, it, see, it's so tough because I don't believe in the Lions and I don't believe in the Eagles right now. So I, I do think whoever comes out of that Niners-Packers game 
is going to be the team going to the Super Bowl. Like if the pa- if the Packers are good enough to beat the San Francisco 49ers, I think they're good enough to beat the Eagles or the Lions. And it's kind of different different team uh, philosophies. Like the Lions don't work the same as the Niners do. I just think whatever team comes out of that matchup is the clear favorite in my eyes. Tonight's game, the Eagles have a lot to lose in this game. They're expected to win, and people are saying head coach Nick Sirianni could be fired. Which is kind of wild. They went to the Super Bowl yeah. last year. I don't know. And I've seen the reasoning for it. I kind of understand, but I don't know if I necessarily agree. Like, I don't think it's you fire a guy just because. No, he, absolutely. I, I disagree. Yeah. Um, but that, there it is. That's the uh, the what went down in the NFL this past weekend. Again, I was so wrong about so many things, and I will continue to be because that's what I do. Uh, it is the People Show. Josh Elliott will filling in for Bick Nazar who will be right about things. He's usually right about things. And he'll be back tomorrow. Uh, appreciate Elon Shark producing, Victor Gaucher, intern Sonia here as well. I've been Josh Wolf. Thank you to everyone listening and chiming in on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Coming up next is Canucks Talk. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, different time slot because of the early game. They will be with you for the next two hours. Once again, I've been Josh Wolf. This has been The People Show on Sportsnet 650.